Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Peter chapter number one. I'll let you find your place this morning as we stand for the reading of the Word of God. First Peter chapter one. Um, I don't know of a better song than that little song they sung, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Oh, How I Love Jesus. And you know, the song ain't about how I love Jesus. It ends, remember, because he first loved me. Right, and that's biblical, right? First John, uh, John will teach you that in his little epistle about love, that we love him because he first loved us. First Peter chapter number one, we begin at verse number one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifest temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray you would open it. To our heart, it's our earnest request as we open our heart to it. We ask now that you would move us, Lord, that as we receive this truth, we might not just hear it, but that we would obey it and respond to it. We pray for the unction necessary for it to touch our heart, or as the Apostle Peter said to them, prick our heart, that it might bring us to a place of realization where our consciences are moved and we consider, we reason in our own heart the great price that was given for us to be saved. I pray that those that are grieving today would hear this truth and those that are hurting, those that are, Lord, in this world and the sorrow of it might recognize that there are some things that we simply rejoice in. And may we rejoice today in you. Thank you for an empty tomb, for a cross that was effectual, and for all this that brings glory to your name. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
I think heaven's going to be a place where everybody's happy. Anybody disagree with that? There, there won't be any more sorrow. That's what the Bible says. There'll not be any more grief or pain, no more heartache. There won't be any more things that we can't figure out, troubles we can't solve or sin. And of all the things that heaven offers, I, I believe today that for those that have truly followed Christ, the greatest is not necessarily the absence of all those things, but the presence of God that we never leave. We'll never be out of his presence. We'll never be in a place where we're, we're in a, where we simply are wondering anymore. The Apostle Peter here, I believe, uh, now I'm making a, a guess here, so, so take it as that. I got a feeling he had been reading some psalms when he set into writing this epistle because he sure did start strong and focused on rejoicing. Verse number seven begins with this, or verse number six, rather. He said, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. I take and realize today that there's some among us that may not be able to rejoice. And for that, I'm, I'm sorry for you. Um, I pray that there is a day that you come to the realization that Jesus Christ is Lord and you receive him as your Savior. That's my heart's desire. Uh, that's why we're here, is to continue to tell the good news of Christ for your soul. But hear me, you'll never rejoice truly until you've been born again. Uh, you, you simply can't experience what it's like to see until you ain't blind no more. Right? You can talk about it, but you just can't know it. But the day you step from darkness into the light of Christ, you'll rejoice. <laughs> you'll rejoice. I don't like sad days. <laughs> Everybody has sad days. Uh, some of them we bring on ourselves. I ain't talking about them. I'm talking about them that really we didn't. We, they just came. Right? We didn't ask for it, and we wasn't looking for it. But sometimes sad things happen. Bad things happen sometimes, and we're not in control of most of it. Uh, we can't make it go one way or the other most of the time. But I sure am glad that I've got something in my heart that the tides of this world don't affect. You see, though my boat rides on the ocean of this world and the tides go up and down, they stuff in my boat never moves. It never moves. Why? Because God don't change. You say, are you happy today? Yep, I'm happy. (laughs) It ain't because everything's right. I could name a hundred things, at least a hundred things that I need God to help me with that trouble and burden my soul to tears every day. But I'm so happy I can't hardly stand it. When we showed up at daylight this morning, I was happy then and still happy now. I wonder today what it is that it'll take for you to get happy in your heart. We used to call it at least in the old days, I don't believe we call it that much anymore, but when people get carried away in the spirit, we say they got happy. 
They just got happy. Somebody go to shouting. Uh, we'd describe it to somebody else. They got happy. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> I like getting happy, don't you? I want to share with you some things this morning that make us happy in the Lord. Some things that make us rejoice. Now, to you that are sitting here that can't feel what we're feeling, listen, I know what it's like to be on the outside looking in. And let me just tell you, don't sit there. Check the knob. It's open. Come on in. Everything in us says come. Right? The Spirit says come. The bride says come. Let whosoever will come. Come on. I want you to be happy in the Lord. I tell you, there ain't nothing like it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. There ain't enough gold in the world. I wouldn't trade it not one moment for what it feels like when the Holy Spirit begins to move in me. And it manifests itself in a whole lot of different ways. Uh, I can't help it. Ever since I was a child, when the Spirit of God moved on me, the tears run like the river, and snot does too. I just can't help it. But I also can't help but laugh. Every time the Holy Ghost of God comes, the the tear spouts, they just open like fountains, and then I start laughing. I don't know how he does you, but it's happy. We rejoice greatly. And it's not because of circumstances. We'll start here in a minute, but I want you to start with me. Because if you're not careful, you come in this morning already got the station turned off. Your volume ain't ain't, you ain't even listening. I want you to listen today. Because you got something the rest of this world needs more than they need breath. You have got something that the the downtrodden of this world, the lost, need. They need a little joy. Turn in your Bibles if you've still got them to Psalms 103. I want to share with you something as we start the message this morning. We got plenty of time. You'll see what I mean in a second, but I believe maybe the Apostle Peter, I'm certain that he'd read Psalms 103 many a time, but I got a feeling he might have been really close to this and when he set off to writing that epistle to the churches. You read in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Look with me in verse number 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. The Apostle Paul was writing about those times in his life when God just made him happy. He just filled him up. He gave him something to rejoice in. 
He gave him something that he could only define or he could only speak of by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. With all that is in me, bless his holy name. But I love when he said, Let me not forget all his benefits. Oh, the benefits to being a child of God today. We've heard a great deal about them this morning in our prayer requests and the testimonies that we shared. Bless my soul. To hear you talk about the benefits of having Christ in you, the Holy Spirit with you, moving through you, and all of these things make in you a testimony that has to be shared, a testimony of rejoicing, something that even though we struggle yet and we experience the hard things of life, we come in in a meeting like this, we simply in tears and weeping say, I'm so glad that he lives in me and that he's helping me. I want you to see what the apostle was saying. He said, wherein ye greatly rejoice. What had he just spoken of? What he said in verse number six, he had just prefaced with those many things, those benefits that the psalmist David was talking about Here we find the Apostle Peter setting in order his own list, those things to him that were magnificent and wonderful and great and that are only from God. And I wonder today, how many of us really know the benefits of being a child of the king today? Now, I'll confess to you, there's no way to preach it all. And Peter don't talk of it all. He just gives his own list. And it's a good one. It's a good one. Look with us. We begin in verse number two. The apostle Peter said, elect. Let me stop right there. (laughs) If you're born again, you are the elect. Now, it's in the Bible. Deal with it, right? I realize that there's all kinds of doctrines of belief out there. Let me be clear. Uh, Whether you lean to the side of Calvin or you lean to the side of the Arminian don't make no difference to me because both of them are addressed in the word of God. What that means is we believe both. One does not exclude the other. Even though I am the elect of God, I also came because I believed in Jesus Christ. Although, even though he knew me before the foundation of the world and because of his foreknowledge, brother, I am the elect of God, the righteous, the holy, the most wonderful and awesome that ever is or was. Here's what I can also say. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come to the water of life freely. And he said when he died, he died for all. So let me just straighten it out for you today. If you're the elect, you'll come because you love Christ and believe in the finished work of the cross and if you don't you'll never be the elect it's all one ain't no reason to divide over it it's all in the gospel we got to believe it all whether we can make it fit or not it's all in there and it's all true and I'll tell you right now I'm tickled death be the elect according to the apostle Peter he said elect according to the foreknowledge of God now, I'll never be elected to some things down on this earth and thank God for it probably. I, they, well, there's probably a lot of things that they'll never call me for. They'll never ask me to do. They'll never elect me. They'll never vote on me. And that doesn't make any difference because I am elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And I rejoice greatly in this truth. <laughs> Amen. I like what John said about it. 
He said he came into his own. His own received him not. He said, but as many as did receive them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I'm elect, you see, because the Lamb of God made a way for me to be his own. Yeah, I greatly rejoice in this truth. And you know what? Being in the palm of his hand, according to John, there ain't nobody able to pluck me out of his hand. According to the foreknowledge of God. Through, he said, sanctification of the Spirit. Let me be clear today. There was one thing that come into my life the very instant I got saved. You can read about it. The apostle Peter was schooling them just there at Pentecost when he said, when you get born again, the Holy Ghost will come in you. And I want you to know today, it came in me. And brother, if you ever got saved, it came in you. And it set up a boat in you. That's why it came to lead you and to guide you in all truth and righteousness. You say, preacher, are you happy today that you have somebody with you? I sure am. I'm glad today that no matter where I go, amen, I've been to some places with the Holy Spirit I probably shouldn't have been I've said some things in his presence I probably shouldn't have said I've done some things I shouldn't have done but I want you to know he ain't never left me and brother he ain't never compromised with me and I'll tell you right now he loves me and he dwells in my heart I'm sanctified today because there's one in me that is righteous the third part of Godhead dwells in my soul I'm happy about that. If you ever get born again, you'll know in your heart that something has changed. The sanctification of the Spirit is a necessary process. And I'll tell you right now, it's supernatural, and the only way to get it is at the foot of the cross, at the throne room of God from Christ himself. You can pray a thousand prayers and never get saved, but the minute that your faith intersects his faithfulness, brother, you can be transformed into a new creature, made a believer in Jesus Christ, set forever on a road of eternal wonder, brother, just by getting saved today. You gotta be born again to know this great rejoicing that we celebrate. Oh, it troubles my soul. I'll tell you right now, I weep when they weep and I laugh when they laugh. And there are days that are better than others. But oh, how glad that I am that there are days that I just remember all the benefits of being a child of God. Amen. It's one thing to wake up broke and realize you're an heir to a kingdom. Amen. That'll, that'll change your perspective on a day's outlook, won't it? When you wake up broken, when you wake up sickly, when you wake up and something's hurting, when you wake up and you're wondering if this old body's going to live another day, let me tell you something. I'm talking about a place where everything is all right, and brother, it'll be forever and ever. It'll make you happy. It'll make you happy. I believe gone is the day. I don't know that it ever had a place, but I believe now is the most important time that we as God's people live happy. Huh? Some of you go to work and it looks like you lost your dog. Amen. Looks like something just died. Hey, you can't be happy over nothing. Everything that comes your way, you got something sarcastic or pessimistic to say. Your glass is always half empty. Brother, you need to wake up and see the benefits of this good God we serve. Amen. Amen. Now I realize you say, preacher, I'd just be lying if I put on a smile. You ought to lie a bit then. 
I'm telling you right now, if you'd put on a smile, some of that stuff would leave you. You know what the proverb said about He said, laughter doeth like a good medicine. Huh? Some of you need a dose. Some of you need a little bit of this stuff that's called joy and comfort and peace and rejoicing. Amen. The apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Hey, but half the time we go down with our heads hung low. Amen. We talking just like the rest of the world, like we ain't got a father, like we ain't got nobody that loves us, like we ain't got one that provides for us and watches for us. And we're the apple of his eye. And he died on a cross and he rose again for me. We act like we orphans still. Shame on me. Shame on me. You know what I ought to do? I ought to go greatly rejoicing every day. Greatly rejoicing. Recognizing that I'm the elect of God and that through the Holy Spirit of God I've been sanctified. Not only have I been sanctified, but I've been justified. According to the Apostle Paul in the second verse, he said, according to the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, that term sprinkling, you might think to yourself, well, if all he did was sprinkle me with the blood, amen, that must have been pretty powerful blood. Let me amen that. Amen, it didn't take but a drop, I'm assuring you. If any part of the blood of Christ ever come in contact with your spiritual soul, amen, something took place right there. Amen, it was through the blood of Jesus Christ that I am justified today. You say, preacher, you've been a sinner all your life. I have been, but I want you to know that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed away my sins. Amen, it didn't just cover my sins, it got rid of my sins. And brother, even though I still live in this old sinful flesh, they something in me, it don't sin no more. I've got a man on the inside, you see, that he sealed, brother, with his Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And he sealed it when I'm perfect and clean. The very instant he purged me of sin, he sealed me until he come and get me. Amen. Steve, that'll make us happy. Amen. I'm happy. Do you know the devil remembers all my sins? But you also know he's a liar and the father of it. Because when he goes to bringing your old sins back in front of you, all you got to do is walk right up to the cross and say, I left them there, brother. Where they went to after that, you'll have to talk to God. But when I confessed my sin and I called on Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed for me 2,000 years ago, it began to do some sprinkling, amen, that brought me out of the darkness and into the light. And I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And brother, because of him, I no longer sin in my heart. Oh, you get people all tore up when you tell them the man on the inside can't sin no more. Let me tell you something. If the man on the inside could sin still, you'd still be in jeopardy of hell because there is no sin in heaven. You say, how you get to heaven? It ain't what I'm doing. Amen. It ain't because of me. 
There was one that did something for me. And brother, the blood of Jesus Christ did something to my sin that nobody else could do. Cast them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered no more. Amen. God had to make a place, amen, that he could put my sin, that they'd never come up again. He got rid of them. I love that old song that says my sins are gone. He said they're washed, amen, under the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been forgiven and set free of all that sin. Yeah, I'm going to smile about that one. That's a good deal. I traded my sinful, ungodly wickedness for righteousness one day. You say, how'd that happen? According to the Bible, it was through faith. You say, man, you must have had a lot of faith. No, I don't reckon I did, but I had enough. And because I believed in Jesus Christ... There was something that was imputed to me. That means it was given to me for my account. Amen. Not because I was worthy. The Bible said it was by grace that you're saved through faith. By faith, you see, brought the grace of God which imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul would say it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. He said, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. They had that happen. Sanctification of the spirit and the sprinkling of the blood. That's how it happened. I got sanctified and justified. Sanctified and justified. See, I believe the apostle Paul was getting happy. When he was starting to write this to them, them strangers scattered across those many different countries who he was writing to out of an earnest care and affection spiritually. He was writing to them, I believe, from a position Amen, of being happy in God. I don't know about you, but it, <laughs> but uh, I want my pastor to be happy. <laughs> I don't want him to be untouched by the infirmities of this world, and that's how the Lord is, amen. I want somebody, amen, that can cry when they cry and weep when they weep and laugh when they laugh, amen. But I'll tell you right now, I want somebody that'll follow the word of God. And I ain't found a place in there, amen, that said I couldn't rejoice. What it says is, is we greatly rejoice and we ought to rejoice always because of what the Lord hath done for us. It starts in the beginning and it goes to the end. We've got enough to be happy about that we ought to be happy till the day we cross over. Wherein we greatly rejoice, we the elect of God, children of God. We his children, amen, and children of the Father. I can tell you right now, they got, they got a blessing. Every day that we awake, we the elect, sanctified through the Holy Spirit, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. But look at verse number three with me. Look at your Bibles. The Bible said... Remember how, how the psalmist David started 103? He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Listen to what Peter said. He said, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know today, and I shared this with somebody the other day, I don't know if anybody believes me, but I'll tell you there was a transformation that happened to me. I, I learned that little acronym, P-R-A-Y a while back, and I've shared it with a lot of people because, boy, it's, it's done something for my prayer life. But I want you to hear me this morning because I'm going to say something again about it. This is how strongly I believe this. When we pray, it needs to begin with praise. Amen. Oh, listen to me now. 
If all you want to do is come to God and, and lay out your sheet, just lay out what it is you want to ask for. Amen. Now, asking comes. It's part of prayer, but it's number three. P-R-A, ask is number three. You need to start by the way the apostle Peter started, blessing God. Amen. Huh? You need to start by acknowledging who he is. You need to stop for just a minute. Listen to me, people. Listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. If you'll start your prayer by blessing him, by acknowledging him, by doing everything you can to understand him and to praise him and to acknowledge him and all he's doing. You know what the Holy Spirit does with that? So are you talking about jacking up the Holy Spirit? So he starts moving. When you start being honest from your heart about how good and how holy and how righteous and forgiving and patient and long-suffering and merciful that God is to us, brother, the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, that's who he is. That's who he is. You're getting ready to pray when you start acknowledging God, blessed be the God. And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, let me say something. You say, preacher, should I rejoice? I'll tell you right now. You can rejoice in this simple truth that he's yours. Yeah. Yeah. He said, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's your Lord, my Lord. Is he your Lord? Amen. Rejoice in that. Rejoice if he's your Lord this morning. Amen. There was a time when the apostles were sent out and they came back all stirred up because they had powers. They didn't know they had. They could cast out demons. They had powers over serpents and all of these things. Jesus said, you don't need to rejoice over those things. He said, rejoice rather that your name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. You say, what's that mean? It means I'm his means I'm his. Peter said, I'm his. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's my Lord. I'll tell you right now, I like worshiping with people who have him as their Lord. Amen. I like singing them old hymns and changing it from the third person to the first person. Amen. Just make, him, make it about him. Amen. And sing it to him. Just change that pronoun to him so that he receives your glory and your praise. I believe we ought to bless him today. And part of the reason some of us live defeated lives as Christians is because we walk around looking at ourselves instead of looking at the Almighty. Brother, when you go to looking at the Almighty, brother, you get real small in his eyes. Because, brother, when you start thinking about God, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Hey, let me add, he gets gooder and gooder and gooder. Every time you just start looking and thinking about God, he just gets better and better. And before you know it, he's so big and you done got so small that the next thing you have to do is repent. R. You won't even have to remember that one. Promise you, you won't even have to remember that one. That come automatic. When he get big enough and you get little enough, you automatically go saying, I'm sorry. That'll come. Well, when you get that business taken care of, you can start asking him stuff. 
Amen. You hooked up in prayer and now you pulling, it's pulling, they rocks coming up behind you. That plow going deep when you start praying, amen. And the holy God of heaven, amen, starts to speak back to you. That's what I'm looking for, amen. I'm not asking for a monologue here. I don't want to come to God with a pre-recorded message, say same as yesterday, would you? No, I want him to speak to me just like I'm speaking to him. You say, preacher, he can't do that. He can if he's alive. And brother, the tomb's empty and I know he lives. We ought to just rejoice about that. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at your Bibles. Whom according to his abundant mercy. Ah, we got to stop right there. You want to talk about something to rejoice about? He's merciful. Aren't you glad of that? I'm glad that one of the primary definitions of God is not just love, but it is mercy. The psalmist David said it like this, said his mercies are new every morning. <laughs> Ooh, that's good information right there because I need his mercy every day. Anybody that goes through a day and think they don't need the mercy of God present in their life, let me tell you something, your foolishness, amen, will get you into trouble. You'll be backslid before you know it because you ain't praying the right way. You've likely not acknowledged the sin that is already present in your life. You've swept it under the rug. You've put it under your tent. You've done something with it, friend, that's gonna corrupt your whole family. You need to get right with God and recognize that we need Jesus. We need his forgiveness. But oh, he's full of mercy. He's full of mercy. He's full of mercy. I could pick up, I'm just going to pick on Dustin. I'd say Dustin sinned yesterday. You know God hates sin. He ain't never changed his mind about it. Every sin is an abomination in the eyes of God. He hates it, despises it. The only reason you and I believe is because Jesus is our mediator. And there was something that he did at the cross. I've already talked about it. What the blood did for our sin, you see, was to remove that from the vision of God. And when he sees me, he don't see my sin. He sees the blood. There's something put in its place. I'm going to preach a message for long about purging. I don't want to spill the beans, but I'll tell you right now, it's good to have something better in its place. That's what being purged is all about. Take something out, put something better in. If you didn't get the better, you didn't get saved. Amen. You, got, you might have got relief from your guilty conscience when you went to an altar, but if that's all you got, you didn't get saved. I've seen it. I've seen many of supposed conversions where people came guilty before God and they confessed their guilt before God, but they never received Christ as Lord. They never got saved. He said, according to his abundant mercy. Now, to mercy, you can tie those those great and wondrous attributes like patient, long-suffering. Both of those things are, are direct results of a God who, by definition, is merciful. Listen to me. I'm under no illusion that there ain't one person can make it not one second of a day without a merciful God in place. If he wasn't merciful, we wouldn't make it. But oh, how merciful he is. Consider his mercies today. I can't preach on that. You can preach on this a long time, but just consider it. 
Amen. Consider it. I'm talking about a holy God that allows you to breathe. He's merciful. Let's just take it for that. And his mercies are abundant. Thank God. If I didn't have nothing else to rejoice in today, I can rejoice because my Lord is merciful. My Lord is merciful to me. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, look at your Bible, he said, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. You say, what's he done for you, preacher? Well, according to Peter, he, he begot me again. You say, what in the world does that mean? Well, if you go back and look at the word begotten, you find that every time somebody begat somebody, somebody begat somebody, what was happening? Somebody getting born, right? All through the New Testament and the Old Testament, when somebody got begot, they were born. Somebody got born into the world. According to Peter, I got begotten again. Well, just tell me what you're trying to say. Born again. Are you with me now? Peter said, according to his abundant mercy, he hath born me again. That's what he said. Is that what happened to you? Yeah, that's what happened to me. I got born again. I was born once by him. How many believe that you were fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb? He knew you. Huh? All life begins at conception. Ain't no debate over that, so don't come to me. It's life. And when he's born into this world, I'll tell you right now, he knew it. He had a part of it. He'd one give life and he'd one take it away. So if you was born the first time, you was, right? What Peter said, he'd one born me the second time too. According to his abundant mercy, he hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. I got born again one day. Did you? Amen. See what Peter is saying. I am greatly rejoicing today. Amen. A lot of reasons he said, but one of them is because I got born again. Did you? Are you born again? Amen. Peter said, look at your Bible. Peter said, I've been begotten again. I've been born again unto a lively hope. Now, now people have hope in this world in things that ain't got life, right? There's many of us that have hope in things that, that have, no, they ha- they have no life presence to them. And yet what Peter is saying is that when I got born again by the Spirit of God, when I, got, when, I got, when I became a new creature and supernaturally was changed by Jesus Christ on the inside, he said he gave me a hope in something that was alive. You say, how in the world can you truly hope in something that you cannot see? Well, it simply means you have to have another form of proof. Now, you say, I thought it was by faith. It is by faith. But faith is the substance, the proof of things hoped for. It's all kind of ties together, don't it? Faith is the substance, the proof of the things hoped for. How can you hope for something that has already happened? He said you can't. No. 
He said, so then we hope for those things that we have not seen. And yet in our heart, we believe, we believe, we believe. And that within itself becomes the proof in our heart. You say, preacher, that's not really proof. Oh, yes, it is. It is proof when that hope is alive. Now, the only thing I can do for this this morning to try to explain this is to speak to those that have been born again. Because if you've been born again today, you know what living hope is about, right? It's believing in something that is not dead. It is believing in something that has all power to perform all promises that he has made. It is an absolute convinced belief that he is able to do everything he said and that he will do it exactly as he said. Brother, this is a hope that is lively. It is not dead, but it is living and it is renewed and quickened every day by the Holy Spirit. Pardon me, I rejoice in that. I rejoice greatly in the hope that I have. You see, the hope that I have often is what sustains me. It is the hope, according to the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, he said, you are saved by hope. Some of you didn't know that was in there. Read it. Paul said, you're saved by hope all the time. Saved by hope all the time. Amen. You get there, them bad days. Amen. You're down, your head and your hands. Oh, what am I going to do? And suddenly the Spirit of God starts talking to you and says, did you know that when you get to heaven, won't be no more of that? Did you know over there there's no sorrow, there's no suffering, there's no sin, there's no pain? Did you know that Jesus died on the cross for you and saved your wretched soul? And when you close your eyes to this world, you're going to be in a better land? Did you know? And you say, yeah, I know that. And suddenly the hope lives again in you. And it rescues you, and it rescues you, and it rescues you over and over and over. Hope, hope. You say, but it's got to be a hope that is lively. I ain't ever bought a lottery ticket. Don't intend to. But I can tell you this, that everybody that buys one has got some dead hope. You know what their hope's in? Something's dead. They have absolutely no promise that what they are hoping for could ever come to pass. It is strictly chance. I am not talking about that hope. Huh? When I'm talking about hope, no, it is a different hope. It has something in front of it, name. It has lively in front of it. My hope is built on promises that come from an eternal God who has made them and has done them and will do them and cannot lie and is able. Amen. He makes me rejoice in my hope. According to his abundant mercy, which hath borne us again into this lively hope, What did your Bible say? Through? Huh? Here we are on Easter Sunday. Say, how in the world did you get to this passage? Well, that was where it started at, was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
I got, to, I got to thinking about that term wherein we greatly rejoice. And then I got to seeing what he wrote there in that, that part in number three where he said, or, or four, where he said the resur- it was through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I thought, boy, that makes us rejoice, don't yeah, it? Amen. amen. We like to come together on Easter Sunday. Hey, let, let me change that. I like to come every Sunday and talk about him rising again, don't you? Amen. There's many Easter take place right here in this church. Amen. All through the year. Because I tell you, it's it's awesome to talk about him coming from the dead. Apostle Peter couldn't quit talking about it in the book of Acts. Every message he preached, he pointed his finger. He said, you may have hung him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead. Every time he preached, he had to tell them, he ain't dead. He ain't dead. No, he ain't dead. And here in this little epistle, he's writing to the church within the first five verses. What does he say? He ain't dead. That's huh? as, as the crux to every message old Peter preached. He ain't dead. He dead, it don't matter, but he ain't dead. So it does matter. He ain't dead. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom according to his abundant mercies hath begotten us again unto a lively hope through, through, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Say, how in the world did he make a way of salvation for a bunch of sinners like sitting in a church on Six Mile Road through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? That's how he did it. You know how he brought life to you, Debbie? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's how you got it. Wherein, he would say in verse number six, wherein... We greatly rejoice. Yes, we greatly rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you know that most of the joy that we, 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 we have every day and we experience throughout our, our daily walk can all go back to heroes from the dead? Huh? You say, what are you talking about? Well, you say, you say well, I, I've got this going on. Say, so, well, Jesus made this promise. All right, well... What, what about that? Well, because he made this promise to that. And, well, ultimately, what are you trying to say? Well, I'm trying to say that he said he'd rise from the dead, and he did. And if he can rise from the dead, you ain't got a problem he can't fix. Anybody name one? If he can rise from the dead, what's your problem? Because he done defeated the one nobody could fix. Wherein we greatly rejoice. Well, he ain't done saying either. Look at number five. And what he what he does right here is he begins to define some of that lively hope that we have received through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He begins to show us here. He said, no, verse number four. Sorry. Verse number four. He said, two. I like that, to an inheritance. Now, let, let's be clear. You're all just staring at me right now. But what he's, let me say, you didn't have an inheritance before him. Right. Huh. See if I can get the smile back on your face. You had no inheritance before Christ. The only thing you had to look for was a fearful indignation that was coming from the wrath of an almighty God upon wicked sinners and to be cast into the flames of a tormentous hell, never to get out of it. 
That's all you had to look forward to. Brother, if you think that's a good inheritance, you better look again. There ain't nothing to that but suffering and pain and misery, and it's real. You didn't have an inheritance until you came to Christ. Oh, but the day (laughs) that this little orphan came to Christ, the day that he came knocking on this orphan's door, and I went in, and he became my father, and I became his son, I immediately got promised an inheritance. Now, it'd take me another Sunday to preach about the inheritance, but let's just say you know what it is in part. You've heard about this place that he promised in the book of John he was going away to prepare. You've heard about this place of where he said, where I am, that where I am, you might be also. Let's just say all of you say, yep, I know heaven is real. And I'm a child of God today, and because of that, I will inherit those promises he has made to the believer. Let me give you what the apostle Peter said. To an inheritance, number one, that is incorruptible. In one of the gospels, he said this. He said, lay up your treasures. Where? In in heaven, where the rust can't corrupt it. The moths can't eat it. And the thieves can't break in and steal. Same concept. The apostle Peter is saying your inheritance ain't here. It's not here, by the way, right? We're still talking lively hope, right? If you had your inheritance here, you would no longer be hoping for it. But we have a lively hope in an inheritance, number one, that is incorruptible. Never, never will what he promised me be corrupted. Number two, undefiled. What he has promised me will never be defiled by this world. Number three, he said, it fadeth not away. I don't care what I have when I die or she dies, whoever, we'll leave whatever little we got. I don't know what they'll do with all them chickens, (laughs) but we're going to leave it to them. And here's what I'll tell you about every bit of it. It will fade away. There ain't never been an inheritance given on this world that didn't fade away. And it got defiled and it ended up corrupted. Not mine. He said, wherein we greatly, ye greatly rejoice. You say, preacher, are you rejoicing in an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away that is reserved in heaven for you? I am. I am. And it is part of what causes me to greatly rejoice. Lastly, come and get a song. Lastly, verse number five. Your Bible, look at your Bible. He said, who are kept by the power of God. That's what I say, brother. Amen to that one. I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of things that I've preached on this morning that yes, we're grateful for and we rejoice in. But I'll tell you right now, I am tickled to death that he keeps me. 
Because I'll be the first one to tell you, I can't keep myself. I just can't. I've tried. It don't work. I can't do it. It takes the Holy Ghost every second of the day to keep me. But he keeps me. According to the Apostle Paul, he was fairly confident in his keeping power. He said, I am persuaded. Huh? He said, I am persuaded that that which I have committed unto him. What did he say? He is able <laughs> to keep it against that day. That's what Peter's saying. Huh? Look at your Bible. That's what Peter's. Peter's saying the same thing that Paul said. He's saying that my inheritance is undefiled, uncorruptible, fadeth not away. It's reserved for me in heaven who are kept by the power of God. I rejoice in the fact that he has keeping power. That he can keep me when I can't keep myself. Who are kept by the power of God unto, right, what's your Bible say? Unto salvation. Did you know that our salvation is it's a fluid thing. It doesn't, it doesn't wax or wane or grow old or is corruptible. No, but it's something that is constantly growing toward it. Do you know, ultimately, my salvation ain't done until I get there. What were you saved from? Hell. What were you saved to? Heaven. So your salvation is not complete until you get to heaven. That makes sense to us, don't it? You're reasonable people. That makes sense. My salvation's not ended until I get there. Now, I stand up here every day of the week and scream it. I'm saved. I'm saved. Say, how come? Because as far as I'm concerned, it's done. Right? Signed, sealed, delivered, it's done. How can you say that? You're not there yet. I happen to believe in the one that will get me there. He's never failed any before me, and he won't fail me. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a past tense. I'm saved. But according to the apostle Peter, the truth is, is you're being saved every day. And ultimately, the salvation is done when you finally get there. Who are kept by the power of God unto salvation. I think Apostle Peter's getting happy. I think he had done dwelled on the psalmist long enough. He said, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Listen, ready to be revealed in the last time. All right, when, when is that? That's when we get there. In verse number six, we're done. Verse number six, we're in you greatly rejoice. Now, that's a lot of stuff to rejoice about. And you know what? He didn't really even hit what David hit in the 103rd of Psalms. Now, he had his own list. And if you look in the book of Romans, you'll find old Paul got one of his too. We have a lot to be grateful for today. We have every reason in the world to make a commitment to Christ that is so strong that it compels us to every time the doors are open, 
to every time we can share his name, to every time we can pray unto him, for every time that we can open our Bible and seek his voice live. We have so much to be grateful for. Our hearts ought always, as Paul said, to rejoice. I'm going to close with this. I've said all that so I could get to this one verse that I didn't read to you on purpose. I know how you people are. I ain't going to give it away till right. But if you still got your Bible open, right? Look at verse number eight. I read through seven. Is anybody paying attention? I read through seven, but I stopped at eight. And you good people didn't go no farther. You just didn't look. You just focused. So now I want you to look with me today. Got your Bibles open again. First Peter chapter number 1, verse number 8. Let me read it to you now. Whom, having not seen, talking about Christ, you love. You may say, Amen. I'm not seeing him. Well, I've not seen him. But yes, I love him. I love him with all my heart. Though, listen, though now you see him not, yet believing, listen, you rejoice with joy unspeakable. And full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith. Even the salvation of your souls. Some of you today have kind of resisted the message maybe. Because your pessimism or your half-full glass of water, or simply your unwillingness to rejoice in the goodness of God daily has become a God to you. You worship that attitude. I've been there. You worship that perspective. And you're afraid that if you step out on faith today and begin to rejoice in the good promises of our God that you will be let down again. Let's be clear. As long as you're in the flesh, you will be let down. But it ain't God letting you down. It's not his promises that are failing. It's our unwillingness to believe him that fails us. You're not the only one. We've all been there. We've been there where our unbelieving is what causes us to slip, to fall. Peter said, he said, I know you've not seen him. He said, but you love him. Right? And and some of you, I had to prod you, but some of you said, yes, amen, I love him. And I've not seen him. Peter said, that's my point. He said, that's my point. You love him even though you've not seen him.
Yet, in believing Him, He brings to you a joy that is unspeakable, and it is full of glory. I'm going to ask you today to believe in more than just Him. I'd like for you to step out and believe in what He said. Believe in what He's promised you. And dare to rejoice in the face of adversity. You'll not do it without Him. You'll not do it without Him. I'm inviting you to do it today in Him. Everything I've said this morning is about Jesus. It's about the promises of God that have been made to us His own. That He's never failed to keep. He has been perfect in every part. And the Apostle Peter said, In all of these things, we greatly rejoice. How about we rejoice in God? Let's just make up our mind that he is good regardless of what the world is. He's still good. I can trust him regardless of what his will is. I can trust it. He's right. Even when I don't want him to be. He's still right. He never made a mistake. I just think he has. Listen, if what you really want is the will of God for you in your life, then your will is His, if that's what you want. It's what Jesus prayed, not mine, but thy will be done. I want you to be happy in the Lord today. Now, if you're here and lost, you can't be happy in the Lord till you get in the Lord, till you get born again. And we want you to be born again. If the Holy Ghost of God is speaking to you today, you know what you need to do? You need to run to this altar and say, Lord... Forgive me a sinner. Would you save me? He'll save you. If he's calling you today, he wants you to be saved right now. You, you, right where you sit, he wants you to be saved. Come to him. But I want to challenge the Christians today. I think we got something the world needs. Joy. When a sinner comes into New Providence Church, he ought to walk into the chaos of people getting happy. Amen. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, he said, I'll draw. I believe he can do the convicting. I believe he can do the work on the souls, Travis, that need to be saved. I believe he can do it. But he is asking me and you to lift your hand up and greatly rejoice. Let's praise him. I'm talking about on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, when we come into this place... Why don't we just turn it loose? And let's rejoice in the Lord. And let the power of that God do what it does to sinners. But we need that. I believe this world needs that as we stand to sing. If you need the Lord this morning, would you come? Why don't you just get right with God this morning? Just lay it down there and let Him have it.